as we now hear our second scripture reading, our sermon text for this morning. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, as we continue to move through the Gospel of Luke so that we might gain greater certainty concerning the things of Jesus Christ. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. Now you can be seated. Thank you. And let's pray, asking the Lord's blessing upon the preaching of his word. Oh, Heavenly Father, we need your blessing. We need ears to hear and eyes to see the glories of the gospel. And so we pray that you would, you would teach us to pray, that you would guide us in prayer. You know, this is something that can only come from your spirit as you work in our hearts. So we ask that you would do this, Lord, and we, we ask it with confidence and with boldness. We do so in Christ's name. Amen. Today, Jesus teaches us about a topic that most pastors would admit make us both feel uh, at the same time, privileged and uneasy. He teaches us about prayer. Now, prayer makes us, on the one hand, see how privileged we are. We have a direct line of communication to our Heavenly Father. Anytime, any place, immediate access to the, th- the throne room of God. But as soon as we start to confess those things and realize what prayer is, at the same time we start to realize how uneasy we might feel about prayer. Because how often is our prayer fervent, consistent, bold? No, so often it is frail and thin. I confess this is exactly where where I started to to go this week as I started to study these things. Talking about prayer, learning about prayer makes me feel uneasy because there's always there's always place to grow in prayer. But but I want you to know that my aim as we as we listen to the words of Jesus about prayer this week and then na- next week as well. My aim isn't to pile on guilt. My aim isn't to leave you feeling completely uneasy, but rather I want us to go forth better equipped and encouraged to pray. Better equipped and encouraged to pray. 
going to do that by looking at what Jesus teaches in this passage. Well, remember where we are in the Gospel of Luke? We're following Jesus on that journey to Jerusalem. He's going there to suffer and die according to the, the very mission and purpose of God. And as he is going along that road, he is teaching his disciples crucial things that they need to know, that we need to know, after he's accomplished all he set out to do. Until we reach uh, the other side. Until we reach glory. And our, as our scene opens in our passage, we find Jesus postured in prayer. Verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. This isn't anything new. In fact, Luke has pointed out many times throughout his gospel that Jesus is praying. He wants to draw our attention attention to Jesus in prayer. And uh, sometimes he, he shows us that when Jesus is in prayer, it's like a sign that something of great magnitude is about to happen. He bows his head right before the, tr- the great transfiguration, the great inv- uh, unveiling occurs. He bows his head in prayer and great revelations come forth from God the Father. So it's no surprise that the disciples, as they are choosing the good portion, as he just instructed to do, as they are uh, sitting at his feet and listening to Jesus, that they start to realize that Jesus is spending incredible amounts of time in prayer. And that he has something of great magnitude to teach them about their prayer life. And so they say, Lord, teach us to pray. John the Baptist taught his followers what it was like to pray. Will you do the same for us, Lord? Will you teach us, Master? And this should be the cry of our hearts this morning. As we see, first of all, what a weighty calling prayer is, but also how thin and frail our prayers are, we should say, Lord, teach us to pray. And indeed, what I want us to see this morning is that the Master of Prayer gives us a pattern for prayer very simple point as we look at this model prayer that we all know very well. I want us to uh, step back from that familiarity that we have with the Lord's Prayer. Really see what the master of prayer is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer. First, Jesus teaches us, we should see, the simplicity of prayer. Might have been the first thing you noticed as you looked at this text. Did you notice that something felt different? Maybe even awkward as you read it. Something was missing as we read these words. Something missing even from when we uh, prayed this prayer earlier in their service. When we said, Father, did you find yourself wanting to fill in, Who art in heaven? When we said, when we, when we read, your kingdom come, did, uh, did it feel a little weird that you didn't hear your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And then 
When we, when we prayed, lead us not into temptation. Do you wonder where that phrase was, deliver us from the evil one? Yeah, so when we come to this prayer, we realize what we have here is far shorter, in fact, three times shorter than what we are used to, the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus gave it to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. On the Mount. So we have to ask ourselves, what is going on here? What we have here is a shorter, simplified version of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is preaching and teaching on prayer on many different occasions. And here, on this occasion, he gives us what what I might call a shorter catechism of prayer. Right? We're we're used to, in, in in our tradition, a shorter and a larger catechism. And the shorter catechism gives us that... Uh, just in the simplest terms possible, those key things we need to know about each doctrine. But if you want to expand on that, you go to the larger catechism where you see it in more fully fleshed out. Well, Jesus is doing something similar with this inspired prayer that he gives his disciples on several different occasions. What we have here is the shorter catechism of prayer, the basic elements of prayer in its beautiful skeletal structure. Now, why is this simplicity so helpful when we come to God in prayer? What can we take away from from this fact? And and I want us to, to notice several things that Jesus fleshes out here and elsewhere. Well, first of all, I want us to see that this simple prayer gives us a basic outline for all of our prayers. And don't we need that as people who have distracted hearts, hearts that desperately need structure and guidance. If you're anything like me, you go to prayer, you go to pray, but your thoughts are so scattered and distracted that the conversation with God just seems to lose direction and momentum. Things start off really well. Oh Lord, I I praise your name. But then, before you, you know it, that you hear a ding from your phone acro- across the room. And you say, wait, could, that, that could be important. You rush over to, oh, yeah. and then the next thing you know, you're surfing Facebook. Oh, oh okay, back to prayer. Back to, back, back to prayer. And then the sweetest smell of chocolate chip cookies come wap, wafting up the stairwell. And, and your thoughts distracted. Uh, this is... Exactly what happens to me many times when I go to the Lord in prayer. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows how distracted we can be, how disorganized our thoughts can be. He knows that sometimes we don't even know where to start when we go to pray. Where do I begin? And that's why our friend, our brother, our Savior helps us along with this simple outline. He teaches us. You notice that it, the, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, falls into these basic structures. First, adoration. We praise God for his name. And then moving to confession of our sins, supplication, bringing to the Lord all the things we need in our, in our day-to-day life. And not only that, you'll notice that the prayer is in the plural. We're praying for others, interceding for those around us. 
adoration, confession, supplication, intercession. Jesus is giving us the basic pattern for prayer. Of course, he's not saying, you must pray these exact words. We do recite these words because it's good to do so, because the Lord taught it to us. But but I think what's more important to see is that Jesus is giving us a, a structure that we can turn to, to pray in our own words, out of our own hearts to God. And what's so amazing about this simple, beautiful structure is that it invites our children to join it. It invites our children to to pray. Kids, kids, did you know this? That every time that you pray the Lord's Prayer with us, Sunday morning or with your family, during family worship, that, that what Jesus is doing is he's giving you something. He's giving you a gift that you can take with you for a whole lifetime. He's giving you a pattern of words that, that you can turn to and say, hey, Jesus, you know, how do I pray? How do I pray to you? He says, you pray like this. You start off by praising the name of your God. Jesus is giving you a pattern for prayer to last a lifetime. And by the way, parents, did you know that the Lord's Prayer is one of the the greatest ways that you can uh, raise your kids, that you can instruct them in the Lord? Because all you have to do is start by by unpacking for your kids these words that, that we've already taught them to memorize in the service. You can start by, by saying, what does it mean? What does it mean, son, daughter, for God's name to be hallowed? Let's talk about that. You have before you each uh, in, uh, steps of a catechism given to you by Jesus to instruct your kids to take with them throughout their whole life. It's a simple prayer, a prayer that gives us a structure, a prayer that our kids can join in. And I want us to see this, that it's a prayer that reminds us to speak simply to God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, uh, where, where we get this other larger catechism version of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You ever find yourself just repeating things in prayer just to do it? Maybe... uh, buying into this, this subtle myth that Jesus is talking about, that, that our many words, our eloquence, our ability to recite a prayer almost works like a, a magical incantation. Like, oh, God hears it, he'll do it. Um, sometimes I find myself just repeating words that I've memorized in prayer. I don't, I'm not even thinking about what they mean. But, you know, Jesus is giving us this simple prayer because he doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to... To, to pray many empty words and phrases as if that would do something. No, he wants us to talk with God. The simple talk that, yes, reverent speech, but speech that you use in your day-to-day life. 
So what do, we, what do we have here? We have Jesus inviting us into a simple act of prayer, a simplicity that we should embrace. But don't let that simplicity distract you from the incredible privilege of what prayer is. And that's what, I, that's what we need to see second. It's that Jesus teaches us the great privilege of prayer. And we see the privilege in just one word. One word in this short passage. Father. Father. When you pray, pray Father. Calling God Father isn't shocking to us. Uh, We're used to praying that. There's a familiarity that we take with us every time. We just say those words and often don't think anything of it. But when Jesus taught this audience to pray father it would have been shocking the disciples would have i think had to to learn to be comfortable with saying that word because it wasn't commonplace at all in jesus's day yes the the jews were familiar with places in the old testament where uh where, where god was called father you can find a handful of places where god is addressed as father but but for the most part that kind of language was too presumptuous to fall on the lips of those lifting up petitions to God. But all that changes when Jesus teaches us to pray. In fact, you look at when Jesus prays. Seventy times in the New Testament, Jesus calls God Father, directly addressing him as Father. Seventy times. And the word on his lips was almost certainly that Aramaic word, Abba, Abba. That's the word that a little boy, a little girl would learn to to speak to her, her dad. Intimate word, a personal word. And yes, a reverent word. Abba, Father. This is, of course, what Jesus, the the eternal uh, Son of God, come in the flesh, is praying. On on his lips is the most intimate word uh, for his heavenly Father because of the communion that he's had with him before the world began. And yes, as not only God, but, but man, Jesus is that perfect Son who submits his will to his heavenly father at every point. So, of course, this is the word that falls on his lips. But here's the miracle. Here's the gospel reality that he invites us to pray that word, to address God with that word. This beautiful reality of our adoption into God's family, captured in just one word. Galatians 4, 6, Paul says this, And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. (coughs) Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What is Jesus doing when he invites us to pray these words? He's showing us that through his work, his atoning work on the cross, and through his resurrection, he has brought us into a new family where now the very lips 
the, the very uh, words that fall off Jesus' lips are now the words on our own. Disciples, when you pray, pray, Abba, Father. And we need to see how this changes the way we approach God in prayer. Calling God Father brings a sweetness to our prayers. It brings an intimacy and, and, and a, a sense of affection that shapes the entirety of what we pray. Here's what this means. It means that you don't have to dress yourself up before your Heavenly Father when you come to Him in prayer. You don't have to put on airs. You don't have to, uh, to dress up your words. You come as you are. God who's invited you into his presence. Now maybe you, you grew up without a father like this. Maybe you grew up with a poor example of fatherhood. Father, perhaps, who is stiff and unapproachable. A father who would correct you when you tried to speak. Out with it. You know, go ahead and say what you need to say. Maybe you had a father who would, who would stop you and say, I, I don't have time for this, or, or who would who would would tell you to stop stuttering to him, that is not the kind of father who invites us into his presence. I want to assure you of that. that Through Jesus Christ, we have that direct access to the throne room of God and an intimacy and affection of a God who loves to hear you speak to him as you are. Never rushes you. He wants you to spend more time with him. In Sunday school, I mentioned an illustration, an analogy of what this is like. Imagine a CEO of of a company who just has hundreds of people trying to get in touch with him, leaving voicemails. You know, uh, they're on hold on the phone with his office for hours, waiting to to, to get to speak with this this, uh, great person. But then the son of this CEO calls him up. Without pause, without, without even a, a glitch, he picks up the phone. Son, I was in a meeting, but, I, but you know you always have my attention. You always have direct access to me. That's the kind of access we have to our Heavenly Father who invites us into his presence. So, disciples, when you pray, pray, Father. Jesus teaches us simplicity of prayer. He teaches us the great privilege of prayer. But finally, we need to see that Jesus teaches us the priorities of prayer. And here's where we start to actually get to those petitions that you heard. We're only going to spend a brief time in each of them, but we need to see what each of these petitions, each of these prayers means in the Lord's Prayer. And you'll notice... There's one petition that just Jesus goes to right away. It's the first thing off his lips. It's it's a first priority. Pray for God's kingdom. Verse 2. What's the very first thing off Jesus' lips? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Someone asked me the other day, we've been talking a lot about in the Gospel of Luke about God's kingdom 
can you help me understand what that means? So let's, let's do that because that's what this whole first petition wants us to see. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, is his reign and his rule for the sake of his glory. The entire Bible, from beginning to end, is, is about, you, you could sum it up in just a few words. And one of those key words is kingdom. That from the very beginning, God, though he has rule over all things, is reclaiming his reign and rule over rebels of, of the kingdom of darkness who have turned away to build a kingdom for themselves. Think of the, the Tower of Babel with man making a name for himself to, to build a tower with its top in the heavens. Well, God comes to a world of rebels seeking to do just that and he turns this upside down and says, no, no. I'm going to reclaim you for a kingdom of my own. I'm going to establish a new, indestructible rule and reign. And God's kingdom is doing that even now. It's advancing not through military weapons, not through political regime, but through the work of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit. What is this all aiming at? As God's kingdom advances their souls lost to darkness. He's reclaiming them for the, for the glory of his name. And that's why we pray, hallowed, holy, set apart, be your name, O Lord. So how does that reality of God's kingdom focus and guide you in your prayer life? What difference does that make? Why, why, why does Jesus focus on that right away? Well, notice that it focuses your prayers first and foremost on God. First and foremost. Because we, we can approach prayer much like we approach a trip to the counselor's office. We sit ourselves on, on the counselor's bench and I, we just want to get all sorts of um, a, you know, a laundry list off of our chest. Could be a list a mile long. You know, Lord, I pray for my aunt's cancer. I pray for my anxiety about, uh, you know, my, my job situation. I pray for... The list could go on and on. But notice what happens when God's kingdom, his rule and reign is the focus of our prayers. God doesn't dismiss those uh, those concerns of our hearts, but they are transformed and caught up into something, uh, something glorious, his kingdom purpose. Suddenly, we're not just praying, Lord, send more people to our church plant. We need them. No, what we're praying is, Lord, use our church plant here in downtown Dayton to rescue people out of the kingdom of darkness, to bring them into saving knowledge of your son. And, and we're, we're not just praying, Lord, help me to find a new job. But we're praying, Lord, open doors in my life so that my talents and my skills are used for the glory of your name. Our 
prayers get caught up in this glorious, grand narrative about what is God, about what is God is doing in this world for His glory. But God doesn't turn away our basic needs. We see that in this threefold petition that finishes off the Lord's Prayer. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. The most basic day-to-day needs from beginning to end, Jesus says, bring them to your heavenly Father. What does that look like? Well, verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. We pray for provision. Bread And Jesus' day was the most basic staple food that was around. Food of the poor, food of the needy. It's like the milk and eggs of our grocery lists. What What is this telling us? It's telling us that nothing that we have should be taken for granted when we come to God in prayer. Nothing. Those few hours of sleep that you're able to to catch when, when you're taking care of the baby. They're a gift from God. Basic staples of our grocery list are God's caring provision. And so when we pray, we pray, Lord, we are utterly dependent upon you. Give us the sustenance that we need to make it to the end of this day. But that's not all. We pray for provision, but we pray also for that basic need of our souls. We pray for pardon, for forgiveness. Lord, Forgive us our sins because we know that we have a need that is even more pressing than our growling stomachs. We are sinners. And our only hope is the work of Jesus. So we pray, Lord, forgive my sins. Remind me every day that forgiveness that I have in Christ. Not only that, but Lord, teach us to extend this same mercy to others in a world that is full of retaliation and revenge. We pray that we would show others the same forgiveness which our great God has shown us. So we pray for provision. We pray for pardon. And finally, we do pray for protection. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Because friends, none of us are spiritual superstars. Every moment, we've got to depend on God to rescue us from those situations that would cause us to crumble under pressure. And so the Shorter Catechism puts it this way. We pray in this final petition that God would either keep us from being tempted to sin or would support and deliver us when we are tempted. We need to ask for divine protection in that spiritual war zone of our lives. It's amazing. We take to God those basic things, our basic needs of our daily life. Notice, there's something beautiful about this prayer. Something beautiful I want to end on. I think it's the most amazing thing about this prayer is this, that Jesus taught us to pray. It's the Lord's prayer. It's Jesus' prayer. 
This is the prayer that comes to us from the lips of our great prophet, priest, and king. This is the prayer that comes from the only one who truly sympathizes with our weaknesses, who knows how we ought to pray. This is the prayer of the one who gave up his very life, who laid down his life so we would not only have our daily bread, but the bread of life that comes from heaven. And so, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, go to your Lord. Ask him, teach us, Lord, to pray. And as you do so, turn to this pattern of prayer which the master of prayer has given you. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these simple words, these beautiful words that remind us of a great privilege that we can call you Father. And these words that give us priorities to pray for, priorities that shape our prayer list and transform them. Lord, we pray that every, every time we come to you in prayer, we would be reminded of the, the glorious realities of your kingdom, of our place in it. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.